Monster Eater Chapter 3 Ramek paused in the absolute darkness. His cold sweat washed over him like something he could see. He was in an open cavern. The echoes ahead indicated that there was a giant stairwell of ovular boulders rising before him. The boulders terminated in a misty grotto that met the cavern's ceiling. The presence of water was the ultimate good and bad news. It would be the only source of life for days around, but it was a place of evisceration, unmatched by the crocodile pools of the surface world. The infinite depth of the rock around Ramek made life a branch of hard bargains. There was no infinite possibility space here, no strategies based on hope. Many paths led only to no-win situations just beyond the visible horizon. Survival was a game of extremes. To advance without advantage was suicide. To wait was starvation. Ramek put his hands on the great moon-like boulder in front of him and crept up its pitted slope. He surmounted it and was forced to begin his climb on the next boulder by worming his fingers into its underside, climbing hand over hand, hanging as if from an awning, until the boulder's face came vertical, and he placed his feet on holds that had been warmed and tested by his hands. He moved silently as a spider. Silence was the first thing Ramek had ever learned. He paused, hanging in space. He heard a single, infinitely soft lapping in the water above him. Something so delicate it could have been broken by being held in the imagination and cut space itself. Something had disturbed the water. Was that something tectonic or alive? Ramek weighed tectonic time frames against the traffic around water in the underworld and almost laughed. There was something there. The question was, did he advance or did he retreat? A human being in the deep does not rely on his prowess to win the death struggle. There were creatures made of rock, creatures made of electricity, colony creatures comprised of microorganisms or molten metal. Only a lone human could be taken on the attack, and even that was 50-50. But Ramek was a spider, and the world was his web. The way of Kalas Da and many other human holds was of giving ground until the instant of advantage. Humans could store food, preserve it, and carry it. This was a rare feat in the underworld. For many creatures, hibernation was broken only by the chase, and a chase without sustenance was death. A pursuit could not be broken off. But some beasts could never be killed. Some could pass through stone itself. Some could shape the mind from miles away. There was never any guarantee of survival and sustenance. Never. Not for the most masterful warrior. But one could bend the odds at the edges. Ramek emitted a tight, whistling hum. He had forced the calculus of uncertainty on whatever lurked above. His intent was to sound inhuman, like he was a creature who gained more advantage sonically surveilling the cavern than by hiding. He heard something slide across the rocks above him. It had a full connection to the surface and multiple points with something brushing against the rock as it went. Corporeal, not huge, not airborne, and no change in sand or air pressure. So far, so good. Ramek advanced until the boulder leveled out and he could fall into a crouch. The thing swept down the boulder in front of him, and his blood ran cold. It slunk towards him, and his heart raced, swirling blood past his eardrums. He felt weightless. His calculus had been wrong. The thing had no fear, and was advancing slowly towards him. Ramek darted his knife into his hand and sat on his heels, preparing to leap in any direction except back over the ledge. Ramek drew breath with his mouth wide, straining to hear something over his singing pulse. There was a scraping on the stones before him, 
a lazy left and right like a trailing venomous tail. Romick listened for its constitution. Chitin? Not hollow enough. Metal? Not enough of a ring. It was a grinding scrape, like an obsidian warhead. There were rock beasts, but obsidian was the chosen stone of mankind. Romick made another gambit for revelation and threw himself sidelong, hissing, Hello, friend, as he rolled. The thing in the darkness jumped and slid hesitatingly towards Romick's position. Then the form darted back again, and a voice spoke. You almost stopped my heart. He was a young man, and he began making a halting flank around Romick, in case Romick's greeting was meant to sound him out for missile fire. Romick flanked the same way so as not to be hemmed against the ledge. You speak the tongue, said Romick, darting back and then moving forward as he spoke. Let's get some distance and have a parley. The man advanced, and Romack swept his dagger through the air to show that he was armed. The man darted back in case this was a projectile, and then came forward again. The brushing noise when he moved was a cloak of some kind. The young man didn't answer, but continued his maneuvering, trying to get Romack on the slope down into space. Well, are you a cannibal? said Romack. This was the dividing line between civilizations and the deep. No, but whatever you have would be better off with me than with you. Are you willing to get stabbed finding that out? The man slashed his blade through the air, but didn't answer. Romack stopped giving way, and the man stopped as well. Romack advanced a half-step on him, and the man slashed the air again, which Romack returned. Both held perfectly still and silent for a moment, and it was as if each was alone on the giant staircase. The man lunged at Romack like an apparition breaking through space. Romack stepped sideways, making a downward slash. Neither of them connected. The young man took a deep breath, and Romack almost threw his blade into the man's lungs, but this game was proving their approximate equality. Statistically, predation would not work twice. Collaboration would become the superior strategy. The young man advanced slowly. What do you fear? asked Romek. That I'll drink your water? But you'd be twice as strong with me on your side. And half is free, he said. Romek almost laughed. What are you, in exile? No one's free here. Not from their clan, not from the cavern. Gave up one and suffer the other. I'm a thief. I live by the whole underworld. Cavern, clan... They're both my dish. Seems like you're living off lichen and water. Let's stop fighting. Share your water with me. We might have a chance of getting somewhere better together. Are you a thief too? The man asked. We have nothing in common. We couldn't trust each other. If I took you in, it'd just be a case of who could stay awake longer. Do you have light? I have nothing but this knife. A saw blade I got off the last guy I killed. And about a day's worth of food. You'd be better off with me on your side, unless you are a cannibal. I'm Romek of Kalas Daw. I'm a hunter and I'm a warrior, and I have the favor of the gods down at the roots of the earth. I'll be your boon companion, but fight me and I'll probably kill you, or at least maim you before I die. You cut my throat while I'm asleep? You have no one watching you. Hmm. I do have some light, actually. If you're as poor as you say you are, we might be able to help each other. Ramek smiled invisibly at the man's assessment. I'm Alizane, the Imogene Flutterstone. Follow me and we'll see if you're telling the truth. It turned out that Alizane was not alone. His source of light and transport was a water-seeking chasm strider, an armored grub the size of a rhinoceros, with thin, articulating feelers that spread out from between its plates to caress the walls around it. The creature's armor gleamed with contraclays, a speckled alloy of contrite and illusement which gave it lift, and Ramak could see Alizane as they entered the creature's cyan glow. Alizane had dark hair that was bound on itself in a short braid, and his nose, cheekbones, and eyebrows had clearly been broken by powerful blows at some point in his early development. 
Whether these had been caused by beast, fall, or father, Ramek couldn't say, but he suddenly wished to know, the better to appraise his new companion. Then Ramek's blood froze as another young man stepped down from a cluster of the creature's tendrils, like bones of hair standing on end. The young man drew a rectangular steel blade as he came. Alazane stepped away from Ramek and stood by the newcomer's side, flicking out his obsidian blade as he did so. They gazed at Ramek. Another fresh morsel? asked the man, whose features were hidden within the hood of an impenetrable and precious silica silk cloak, which was black and embossed all over with lavender-hued fastnesses, labyrinthine with their surrounding bedrock cutaway. Let's see, said Alizane. Ramek spread his weight outward almost imperceptibly, prepared to spring this way or that. The two stared at him from invisible eyes and sunken pits like long-dead mummies. Turn around. Ramek pivoted just enough to show his lower back, biting his lip at the disadvantage of this move. He grasped his blade conspicuously. Poor as shit, but what's the bodysuit? Lesser armor than your silica silk, said Ramek. Good luck fitting it on your reedy frame anyways, oh delicate one. Testy, a recruit for the cause, Alizane, said the man in the cloak to the robber. Seems like he's not good for much else. Come on then, Ramek of Kalasta. I feel the strider buzzing get bundled up in our arms. We'll make our departure before any more conversation-seekers home in on us. They sailed through a vast cavern for an unknown destination. This place was windless, and their speech made no echo. It was a risky and desperate way to travel, swaddled in this creature's tendrils, and Ramek was growing more and more uneasy with his companions. Alizane's friend was named Kumisthe. He was an exiled princeling of Stagaziana, a kingdom of strongholds that were fed by corridors of powdered arsenic laid down to weaken unaware passers-by. Their conversation was growing contentious as Kumisthe probed Ramak about the conditions of his departure. Don't lie to yourself, you're an outcast. You'll never go back to Kalas Da, unless it's to take it for your own. Tyrannizing it would destroy it, said Ramak. Your people would scatter. There'd be nothing left but a skeleton of what it is now. You call it tyranny. But you have a vision, don't you? What an origin story for a polity. A hero, going to claim the soul of his beloved from the claws of the sky, before casting her evil father into the depths, and then usurping his place as foremost hunter, or whatever position obtains in the wastes. You're the evil one, and you're confusing my situation with yours. This isn't a dynastic struggle. It's me making amends for a mistake. You see yourself as being righteous that you were wronged by your own people but I'm starting to think they did the right thing. Seems to me the only thing stopping you from going home and murdering people is your own cowardice. Murder? Slaughtering the whelps of the sepia king would be a mercy to my people. Their presence upsets the order of succession. It can only bring chaos. Only because you're still after the throne. So I should renounce it and let true evil hold power in Stagosiana? The chasm strider was entering a wide tunnel in the face of the great cavern they'd been traversing. Find outcasts, and forge a new kingdom, said Ramek. Test your precepts. If they're true, then you'll be successful. I've already found outcasts, and we're nowhere near founding a kingdom. If we didn't think you were evil, then that might not be true, said Ramek. I don't think he's evil, said Alizane. He just needs the throne the way we need to eat. When you taste something you like, you get a new stomach for it. A second hunger. I didn't think I'd like killing people. I tell you that you won't. But it's the only thing I care about doing nowadays. Ramek's cheeks were red in the darkness. You two discussed. Freeze! Shut up! I heard something, said Kumisthe. 
What? said Alizane. Shut up! They were silent for a moment, gazing around the tunnel, which was lit with ripples of aquamarine light, catching the ridges around the chasm strider. Coombs, they pointed. There was a snowy white tendril emerging from a shaft that branched off the main tunnel. The tendril was a few feet thick and seemed to be composed of damp white hairs, or spun sugar candy snaking its way into the tunnel a hundred feet behind the chasm strider, which had paused and hung suspended in the air. The exiles couldn't say what it was, but Ramek had heard rumors of such an apparition that it made human bodies weep a gruel of their own substance, and then it drank it. Ramek shook himself free of where he'd lodged himself in the chasm strider's tendrils. He began climbing down the thin, bony legs of the creature's underbelly. When he reached the floor of the tunnel, he paused, sucked in a breath, and then let off an ear-splitting shriek in the direction of the worm. Alizane and Kumasthay gaped down at him in horror from where they lay wrapped in the chasm strider's tendrils. Ramek rushed along the rough floor of the tunnel, which was thrown into visual relief by the chasm strider's starlight. The white worm began to dance back and forth across the walls toward them, and Alizane and Kumasthay fought to free themselves from the chasm strider as it began to draw on its tendrils, unwilling to expose its flesh on behalf of its surrogate children. The worm swam through the air with just the lightest contact against the rocks, moving through its own path so that the body was bent but still, a line traced and then erased through the empty air. Ramek spotted a chimney fissure leading out of the tunnel, and he made for it, trusting that the children of civilization behind him wouldn't be able to match his pace. Alizane sprinted by beneath him, not even trying to climb. Kumaste was nowhere to be seen. Ramek, I'll find you! Alizane screamed. Ramek crept through the narrow crevice, tasting the air for any disturbance of dust. The passageway ended in the open air. Ramek had no intimation of the size of the space beyond, but he smelled oxide, copper, blood. Something had died below very recently. This was as dangerous as fresh water. Fresh meat was a universal cause for a free-for-all underground. Ramek listened for a long time, when he finally heard something, it came from behind him, not ahead. A low vibration, almost a shift in pressure, and then the unmistakable clamoring of a limbed creature. He moved silently and steadily out of the crevice, and hung by his fingertips, feeling for the wall with his feet, but it sagged away from him, dissolved by long, extinguished water. Something swooped through the tunnel overhead and struck his fingers, knocking him free and sailing over his head into the open air. Ramek turned and fell meeting the curvature of the wall with his back and rear, and jerked him forward, and he fell on his hands and knees in a pile of cold flesh and fabric. Whatever had hit him landed six or seven feet ahead of him, in a melodious clatter like a cascade of hollow wood. Ramek heard a groan. It was Alizane. Ramek quickly danced his hands across whatever he'd landed on. It had given him a blessed cushion. He felt heaps of cold, dead flesh and lukewarm blood, Vast quantities of it, in fact, welling up inside bowls and trenches of flesh. There were garments torn open around the gouged crevices, richly brocaded night lichen, and spider silk as soft, cold, and silver as moonlight. Curios and jewelry lay amidst the piles of flesh, schist livery badges of cave swallows, a stipple-bound chasm-wind agglomerate fastened by the sear of passing magma to bauxite canvases cut from the stone itself, and a gilded, ivory-shod, pet Morlocka Atlantida, punched through by an unknown claw. Ramek couldn't feel a single bone amidst the heaps of flesh. The bodies had been stripped of them, ripped out through the flesh itself. 
This was confirmed beyond a shadow of a doubt as his fingers passed across a woman's glossy eyelashes and then were stained in her empty sockets. He hadn't felt her locks because her skull had been torn from her scalp. Ramek realized Alizane had landed in the bones. The thief stood up and stumbled over the clattering mass. Bones pouring down bones. Ramek tried to circumnavigate the bone pile, but found that the bodies were laden up against a smooth and curving corner of the cavern wall. The corpse pile was surrounded on all sides by bones. Ramek raced his fingers over the bones nearest to him, leaning out on a dead man and a fur of giant caterpillar. The old man's organs shifted beneath Ramek's knee, and bones gave way beneath him, shifting into a patch of naked stone between the corpse pile and the boneyard. He heard Alizane turn. Parley, I'm pursued by a milking worm, said Alizane. Hold, child. You have no caution, said Ramek. You go rushing down a fissure, and you give yourself away after a moment. Do you think there aren't any beasts that prey on the human voice? I'll take my chances with those creatures, Ramek. When that worm touched Kumis, they white goo came from every hole in his body. It was like he was emptying out. Then that thing drank it. Do you know what you've done, Ramek? Ah, a man died, no less than what you were planning. And now most likely we're going to die, now that you've played this boneyard like a war drum. I'm moving on. You're not, said Alizane. Not after what you did to us. I won't let you get away with it. That's what I thought about you and Kumis they, said Ramek. Alizane hurled a fistful of bones, and one struck Ramek on the top of his head. Ramek doubled over in pain, curling his fingers into the fur and flesh of the man beneath him. Alizane staggered towards him, falling over once with a yell as he collapsed on something sharp. Then he rolled over and scrambled for Ramek on all fours. Ramek picked up a broken shin bone, hefted it in his hand, and waited. When Alizane slid down an invisible pile of bone in front of Ramek, he hurled the bone overhand and then leapt at Alizane, who gave a tight shout as the bone struck him. Ramek stabbed and struck deep. He hoped for a moment that he'd plunge the knife into Alizane's forehead, but whatever he'd hit twisted around and wrenched the knife from Ramek's grasp. Ramek fell with his knees on either side of Alizane, the sharp bones clacking under him. Ramek instantly ran his hands up and down Alizane, who was bleeding in several places and holding a femur in which Ramek had stabbed. Alizane leaned into Ramek, pushing himself off the bone pile and heaving Ramek up and off him. Ramek stumbled and fell, and Alizane fell on top of him, and then both of them tumbled down a crevasse they hadn't even realized was there, almost weightless, swirling in sharp bone. Ramek twisted, shielding his eyes, and came to a halt with a jolt as a protruding rib pierced his thigh with a pulsing dull ache. Ramek's heart pounded. Alizane lay across him, wrestling with the femur, trying to pull out Ramek's knife. Ramek assessed that the rib that had stabbed him was a proven weapon, and he yanked it free from its spine in a splintering rip. Its tip was broken and jagged, and the hole in Ramek's thigh was soaked. Ramek got up shakily and then fell on Alizane, landing with his hand on the femur while gouging the rib into the front of Alizane's hip. Alizane gave a cry, dropped the femur, and began strangling Ramek with both hands. Ramek, head exploding, still allowed himself the satisfaction of running his fingertips down Alizane's face, savoring the heat and tension of the thief's grimace. Ramek put the knee of his good leg against Alizane's bloody hip, and wrenched himself away. They both leaned back, panting. You're stabbed too, said Alizane. I felt your blood. You're going nowhere fast. You won't escape. You're worse off, said Ramek. I made sure of that. There came a stirring of bone from up the slope behind Alizane, an easy and steady noise, like something at home in its nest. Ramek's heart sank, and Alizane threw his head back, listening. 
help me climb. He said, Ramek, help me climb out of here. You did this to me. You have to help me out of here. Ramek squeezed his eyes shut in spite of the perfect darkness. He rolled over and began slowly, carefully climbing up the slope behind him, disturbing the bones as little as possible. Ramek, you slime! Don't leave me! Alizane whispered and then called with abandon, falling forward and dragging himself across the bottom of the crevasse. Ramek felt sick to his stomach, and he told himself that Alizane was the only thing he had to trade for his life. In this moment of absolute terror, he was willing to sacrifice Alizane to the beast. Ramek reached the corpse pile and pulled himself up into a pile of stinking guts. He lay stretched among long running intestines and took deep shaking breaths to cool his heartbeat despite the boundless fear and dismay that he felt around him. Ramek! Oh! said Alizane with utter despair. The thing waded through the bones behind Alizane, disturbing them just a little. Alizane gave a hoarse, ragged cry as the thing struck a protrusion into him, then an almost angry yell as it tore out one of his bones with a ripping snap. Ramek bit his own shoulder and twisted a fog-like cape in his fingers before relinquishing it in horror of making a movement. The beast ripped out another of Alizane's bones and scraped some viscera from it with a little plop. Alizane gave a moan from the depths of his soul. The thing had some kind of claws, pincers, or teeth, based on the sound of the bone being cleaned, but it made no extraneous noises. Silent running was a common strategy in the underworld. It continued deboning Alizane for a long time, pausing to make a single trip to the center of the bone pile to deposit its hull. Ramek thought Alizane had died, but when it returned and tore out another bone, the man gave a murmuring rush of air. This was the last Ramek heard of him, until, finishing, the beast climbed the slope to the corpse pile and laid Alizane's warm, eviscerated corpse over Ramek like a thick bedsheet. Blood poured down over Ramek, past his ears and into his hair and across his thighs. Ramek clenched his eyes shut as a trickle of blood ran down his cheek. And there, in an ossuary, wearing the flesh of a dead man who he'd fed to the darkness in a prayer for his own life, Ramek felt a terrible kinship with the human sacrificers who stained so many holds with the fruit of their hideous but all-too-easy bargain. Ramek waited for the thing to go, and he slipped himself free from the cold, bloody covering, which was hardening above him, intending to follow in the beast's wake while it had an outward bearing. He trod the shattered bones beneath with perfect caution, knowing that a single misstep would mean the same fate to which he delivered his erstwhile companion. Hi there, uh, this is Dave Greggs, and I hope that you've been enjoying Monster Eater. I was recently forced to spend almost a month uh, away from my dark materials here, regrettably. However, now I'm back, uh, and we're going to resume things at full tilt, so more to follow.